Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my co-host, Vic Mattis of the Free Beacon and also the Palm. We are your morning show for any hour. That should be your affiliation. Well, in fact, tomorrow I am actually going to be. So when you're listening to this, I'm probably working on ah, my first. Naturally. Naturally. We got a lot on the show today, obviously, an Israel update and the information war that's happening Mm -hmm. On that front, in addition to the kinetic war, we have some Victoria's Secret news that I know Vic wants to chime in on. I know you guys are excited to hear that from him. And, of course, the speaker race continues. But before we get to that, how are you, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I'm doing fine. How often do you, if I may ask, fall for clickbait? (laughs) Depends on whether I'm on deadline or not, because I really look for things to read when I'm (laughs) Like, oh, am I supposed to be doing something else? Let me click on this. I need to see 14 puppies that you won't believe. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. So like those Google ads or whatever, they throw it at you and, you know, do this, don't do that. You won't believe. I know it's bad, so I generally don't. But you do sometimes? Oh, yeah. Oh, even though you know they're filling in with the cookies, like you know they're getting all that information. True, but you know what? Sometimes, Sometimes it actually helps me. For instance, there was a time that, you know, when you're, you have those moments and you're like, oh, my phone is definitely listening to me. I was at a yeah. party and I was talking to someone about things that Steve likes and that I could get him for Christmas. And I was like, I feel like we need some tumblers, like some mm-hmm. rocks glasses for, for just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. liquor, for cocktails. Yep. And then I, I said he also likes mountain climbing. He has climbed mountains. These are his things he's enthusiastic about. Not at the same time because that would be dangerous. And I got served an ad on Instagram for tumblers with famous peaks etched oh into gosh. the bottom of them oh my god and you know what i bought those for him so i was like thank you so you spies. surrendered completely to the to the ai that's thanks it. spies it's, i appreciate that that's amazing so it was a great christmas present <laughs> when i was when i was in dallas we were having a dinner with my son and my friend pete and his boys fantastic tex-mex place the kinds that you can't get up here it's like real tex-mex the good stuff. it was like tex-mex seafood which is really great and we're talking about books. And one of his sons, was they were talking about Cormac McCarthy. And he went on this extended thing about Blood Meridian, talking to me about Blood Meridian. And like two days later, it came up the recommendation for Blood Meridian. Oh, yeah. I've, I've not done I've not searched for it. What it's doing so. is it's, it's triangulating, basically. They say it's not actually listening to you, but it knows that you are in the vicinity of another person who has yes. also searched Blood Meridian. That is so creepy. Okay. But that's not either. the reason <laughs> I wanted fine. to talk to you about the clickbait. Okay. And I want to say I've, I've, I really, in my, truly, I think only fell for clickbait once where I went down the rabbit hole. Okay. And it was for- Gosh, it, it was, You definitely do not have undiagnosed ADHD, no, ADHD as I'm I do. Very, <laughs> yes. I'm very focused. One rabbit hole. That's it. I was very focused, uh, but it was- Remember Joe from Facts of Life? You should see her now. So, of course, I was uh, like, well, uh, I, you know, and the funny thing is I could have gone to just Google mm-hmm. and search Google images for Nancy McKeon now, right, who was who played Joe and her brother who played, I believe, Tommy or Bobby in Alice. So she, he was on CBS and she was on NBC, which is kind of impressive in its own way. Anyway, so I click it on. And, of course, they show you the entire cast of Facts of Life, including extras, Oh, yeah. And there's about 30 or 40 you get to before you get to Yeah, Joe. I might have been in there. You know, I was alive no, at the I time mean, really, of, of uh, yeah. this I mean, airing. Yeah, everybody, including George Clooney and, you know, and, and, and Charlotte Ray. And, you know, I mean, it's just like and, and Tootie and Natalie and Blair. And I'm like, let's get to Joe. And I realized I see what they're doing. 
I see what you doing. figured it I out. Figured it out. They're going to leave her as the very last, like right after the janitor, <laughs> right, is going to be Nancy McKeon, mm-hmm. and it'll be some picture I could have seen. Anyway, I bring this up because lately, an ad keeps on popping up, taunting me to click it on, and it's whatever you do, doctors say, do not put this in your coffee. Have you seen this one now? This is a new one, and it looks like this dark black, like syrup that right. would be like from a, for like a cola, pouring it. I drink my coffee black. I don't put anything. And yet I'm wondering. You don't need this information. I don't need it. And yet I'm wondering, what is this? <laughs> what, what, what do you, I, so I want to say this. If you don't know the answer, listeners, if you do know or you're willing to do the clicks or you just happen to know what it is that I'm, shouldn't, I shouldn't put in my coffee, please let me know. Well, because all of our listeners' phones are listening to them and what they're listening to, they will now all get served this clickbait and then someone will figure it out for it's, us. It looked like somebody was pouring Coke into that. It's like, okay. I'm not falling for it, and yet I'm dying to know what it is. By the way, I do not have rabbit holes. I I have a rabbit warren. Oh, you have a warren. I have a warren. So you going all over the place. I'm all over the place. I learned a lot of things in a day that quickly leave my mind, but you know, often '80s sitcom related. Yeah. Because I gotta click Love through. That. I gotta find out things, yeah. and then I'll go. I'll go to other sources because I want to be responsible. So I don't just use the clickbait. I want to see what Nancy McKenna actually really does look like now. Can this be verified? She Um, looks great, of course. So how are you? Well, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Getting hammered yeah, investigates. Getting hammered investigates. Also, if you know about the, 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 the yellow toenail, that clearly means cancer. That's another one. Do your toenails look like this? Don't click on the toenails. I know. Okay. How are you? I'm all right. This morning, we had we had injuries at the house. Oh no, minor, plural, minor. But well, one was the nine month old is is pulling up to stand these days, yeah. and or attempting to. Yeah, yeah. So he should probably master that fairly soon, which is about the same same schedule as his sister was on. I think she was about nine months. He's much taller than she was, so it should be easier for him to pull up, pull it together, dude. <laughs> but we have a wooden bench for our dining room table, and so he pulled up on that, and then chunked his chin yeah. or his his tooth on the way down and got a little there was a little bit of blood but i the source of it was not super obvious so i assume it was small yeah because <laughs> that's how you but approach things one. when you have four children <laughs> no i totally I've, I've seen that happen he's all good he's all cleared up but i also injured myself and i would just like to say that in the future look i, I still i try to stay fit i try to stay doing my athletics i'm running a 10k next weekend I'm probably not going to do that well, but look, I try to stay on it. Are you going to do the 10K? Is is there a... Related to the Marine Corps Marathon. It'll be the same, that same day. Oh, the same day. My sister-in-law, Erin Dwyer, will be running the Marine Corps Marathon. Nice. Oh, man. Well, then I will cheer for her when I'm done. She just finished her 18-mile practice, right? That's the one that you have to dial it back. Now, Some people go farther than that. I don't like it. Wow. I Uh, do 16, and then I'm like, I can do the rest on adrenaline. I'll be fine. I've never, I've never run a marathon. I know you do, but so when you when you do the 10k, are you doing this with kids? Or are you going to do it on your own alone? My second wants to run it with me. So you're going to have to sort of. I think we'll run walk, and that's fine with okay. me. It, it sets the bar lower for me, unless she gets all excited on race day and wants to outrun me, and then I'm going to have to stick with her. So we'll see. Her body's made of rubber, so you, she can you do whatever. Tell she wants. her about the van. You know. Oh, the the, the <laughs> yes, the yeah, the, the, the humiliation. The, the, bus, the, the bus will come to get you if you don't you. make it. I will, I will warn her of that. But uh. my point being that I don't, I don't know what's. As you get older, you don't know what's going to go on you. Is it going to your knees, your feet, or yeah. your hips? Due to my own carelessness, I think it's going to be my elbows. My elbows get injured all the time. I have while I running. Ha- no. Oh. Just by living. 
Okay. So yes. I have one I have one elbow uh-huh. that is still injured from about a year ago. Yeah. When I put it down on the car console at the wrong angle, it screams at me because wait for it. Are you ready for this harrowing injury? I was getting a bowl down from the high cabinet and then I pulled my arm down apparently so pre- precipitously and banged the top of the instant pot. That I don't know what I did to it, but it is like permanently not, damaged not your, now. Not like hitting when you hit your funny bone. That it hit the funny bone, but it also did real damage. And it's still like. In some way. And then my other elbow today, I hit on the banister in a very, very painful way that still hurts. So you can all, you know, hope the best for me as I'm, we continue I'm, this podcast. I'm sure it'll be just a, a temporary nerve damage. Yeah, don't freak out. <laughs> <laughs> but like you, you should can't, look that up. You should look that up on the internet. You can't go to the doctor and be like, I have unspecified elbow pain. Why? Well, because I just hit them on things all the time. Well, they can I think this is because of my overly long arms. Maybe my well, elbows true my elbows are, have less clearance. You are officer. You know, it's like some people who have which is not a bad thing to have because other people as a great skill as a basketball player. As uh, a, well, I missed my calling. But, but some people have it and some people I know very well who <laughs> remain nameless who have supposedly like one leg is slightly longer than the other yes that can cause trouble yeah anyway all right i'm doing fine don't worry guys <laughs> all right shall we get to the news let's do it all righty we have updates on israel so the president of course went to israel he gave a speech there vic what was accomplished by that trip do we know? Yes, the ground war was delayed is what happened. It didn't seem like a lot else happened. Yes. Well, this is interesting. And let, because... We should say the speech had many good parts. We'll play a quick yeah. bit of that. You're not alone. You are not alone. As long as the United States stands and we will stand forever, we'll not let you ever be alone. Most importantly, the uh, I know the recent terrorist assault on the people of this nation has left a deep, deep wound. More than 1,300 innocent Israelis killed, including at least 31 American citizens, by the terrorist group Hamas. Hundreds, hundreds of young people at a music festival. The festival was for peace, for peace, gunned down as they ran for their lives. Well, it's interesting because, obviously, the good thing is Biden was there when the horrible tragedy happened in Gaza with the blast that killed people. I don't know how many people. Right. But the good thing is he was there to see the intel, to hear the intercepts, and to run it by our own U.S. intelligence. So on the ground, he was able to say that it was not an Israeli airstrike that, that blew up the hospital that apparently is still intact, but rather it's the parking lot. Right. And that, you know, and that people did die. There's no denying that. But- don't know if it's 500, but in, in Biden's words, it was the other team. The other yes. team. This is the game of death. And this is the this other is, team. Look, he, on several occasions, he said the correct sentiment, but yes. with words that make yes. you go, hmm, could we, could we work on that? And I'm not suggesting that Hamas deliberately did it either. It's that old thing. Got to know how to shoot straight. Uh, you know, and, uh, and it's not the first time Hamas has launched something that... Function. Which, by the way, is the same problem as Trump. 
Like we're now yeah. dealing with the exact same yeah. problem from a different source of so, of malady. And but also, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, he was there on the ground for seven hours meeting with Netanyahu for seven hours. And so Biden as well, I think the only takeaway was that, number one, we are going to continue to assist them, which is great. He talks about humanitarian passageways to get first aid and things like that to the Gazans. But that also involves opening up the border in Rafah, crossing right. in Egypt. And the other thing was he says that, you know, we will help Israel do everything it needs to do, but also that occupying Gaza would be a bad idea. I don't think this is something they want to do. No. But again, the ground war hasn't even started. The campaign hasn't started. And I don't think enough people are talking about 200 hostages, including well, Americans. And well, and I can I continue because the, the horror is so great for Israelis and the number of citizens yeah. of theirs killed is so great that I have been remiss in not mentioning that 25 plus of the dead are American. If the news was, and then there are many. Did I bring this up in Gaza as well? Did I say, you know, if the news was Hamas kills thirty Americans, would that be a bigger news deal for Americans? Because it's like think about the Iranian hostage crisis. That was news round the clock. What are we going to do to get them back? What I can't believe they killed this many Americans. And this doesn't seem now we're we're just talking about this whole both sidesism thing. No, it does. It does feel like a low key, even though it's. The situation is the biggest story. It does seem like low-key attention on that part of the yeah. story. Let me, you make a good point about Biden being there when this happened. The story you're referring to is that a rocket fired into some area of Gaza, hit something in the night, and made a large explosion. Yeah. And Hamas and its spokespeople Medi- immediately went to press and said... An Israeli airstrike hit a hospital in Gaza, killing hundreds. Their number was 500. This was within seconds of the rocket landing. Hamas doesn't vet its information, guys. They say what they want to say. AP ran with this. The New York Times ran with this. I believe CNN did a push notification. These are all going out into the world without any checking with Israel. No, why to would see you what happened. That? And because by the lie. way, they lie. By the way, you do not have to believe the Israeli government at every turn. Governments lie. That is a thing. They sometimes shade the truth to make things look better for their for their side. But this is asymmetric information warfare. Yeah. Hamas doesn't have to get anything correct and feels no obligation to do so. Israel has a free public that it answers to and has in the past admitted failure when it has messed things up they have and you'll notice by the way that we don't we still don't know the number of dead from the initial attack in israel because israel is interested in identifying and getting it correct they're being identified children are being identified it's but somehow four seconds after this rocket goes off hamas knows exactly how many are dead. It's astounding it's what they can do. And it's t- it's telling. The New York Times headline, by the way, the initial one was, Israeli airstrike kills 500 in hospital, Palestinians say. Right. They then had changed it to airstrike kills 500. Then they changed it to hundreds killed in blast. Yeah. But by that time. The, the evolution the initial, is yeah. interesting. But the damage was and, already done. And there are real world consequences, such as the Arab street in many countries getting angry about this and surrounding U.S. and Israeli embassies and 
setting things on fire because they are upset Mm -hmm. about this strike. Now, after all of this occurred and after the slow evolution of the New York Times headline, we get actual information in the light of day that shows, and this is all, this is from people actually on the ground Mm -hmm. and satellite imagery and intel information from both the IDF and Israel and our own Pentagon and intel sources. Okay. There's no giant crater. The rocket likely hit the parking lot adjacent to the hospital, still tragically killing people. And there is no evidence that it came from Israel. There is only evidence piling up that it came from Islamic Jihad within Gaza. Yes, Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Not to be uh, confused with Crimson Jihad. Right. Sorry, that was true lies. (laughs) Was it really? Yes, it was. But it's a great name. Yeah. Uh, you could always, you could always, the thing is, you could always find reasons to doubt the Israelis. So it said, well, you know, where's the proof? Well, here are the IDF proof. Well, it's the IDF, you know, and they lie all the time, so it's not credible. Well, it was confirmed by this Israeli newspaper and TV. Well, the media in Israel, that's also biased. Well, President Biden just, well, you know, you can't trust him either. So, I mean, every step of Again, the way. Again, so skeptical that nothing ex- can be true. Except for you do want to ask, well, we've seen the photographic evidence. The hospital is still there, Yes. Well, yes, and to add to the New York Times' shame on this yeah. and inability to do their job, they ran a picture of a demolished building that was oh, not the hospital. Right. That was, I think, I think the, some 20 miles away yeah. from the site the, yeah. of the incident they're talking about. Extremely responsible. But it leads people to believe that the picture is of the hospital when it is a, not. This is bad practice. This is media malpractice. The, the photo was just to set the mood. Right. So it doesn't have to be. By the way, here's you want to hear the walk back from this such that it is. This is the New York Times. (laughs) The the gall. After hospital blast, comma, headlines shift with changing claims. Hmm. That's how we're going to do introspection, huh? The the headlines just shifted. It's as if God's hand. I mean, they're atheists, but it's as if God's hand came down and shifted the headlines. No, an editor shifted the headlines because they realized that they were screwing up. All right. Ready? The fast, this is the subhead, the fast-moving events highlighted the difficulty of covering the war between Israel and Hamas. Okay, guys, you had a chance to wait. It was some, it wasn't even long. It was 15 to 20 minutes before the IDF actually did some forensic investigation as it feels obligated to do and then gave that information. But these guys ran with this and it has consequences well so this is interesting on cnn jeremy diamond who is their one of their correspondents was at the press conference with the idf spokesman and he asked the idf spokesman well because you haven't been truthful in the past why should we believe you now right and he explained well we do know that and as that that's the reason why we took our time to make sure that we didn't do this, that there were no mistakes, that in fact we do have the intelligence and the intercepts and other evidence to provide to you, to show you we did not launch an airstrike at this hospital. And Jeremy Diamond then explains it to Anderson Cooper. Now, the interesting thing is, this is kind of a, you'll love to hear it. Anderson listens and listens and nods and says, yes, that's true. You know, they haven't been in, you know, so both sides in this whole deal. And then Anderson says, it is a problem that, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, Hamas has been ro- launching rockets from civilian sites. 
and bringing that into the, you know, that they're moving around and launching it from places basically that they shouldn't be launching it from or endangering people. Right. They are the ones endangering people. He had to bring that up as well, and I'm glad that he did. And so sometimes they end up with, we may never know. I think Anderson knows what's going on. Yeah. The, the evidence, again, here's a paragraph from the New York Times piece. But many supporters of each side had already made up their minds in the ensuing hours. Yes, including you guys. Yeah. Including you. Yeah. And it's actually not your job to be on a side. But I would suggest that if you weigh the evidence, perhaps the Democratic country's mouthpieces might be more credible to you than right. the literal terrorist organization's mouthpieces, which, by the way, it it beggars belief that mm-hmm. they could have numbers within minutes right. of this strike. By the way, there's already a pushback in equating Hamas with ISIS. I don't know if you've seen that, you know, because they want there's 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 still some people are still feeling compelled that, you know, Hamas is to be recognized as the legitimate and responsible governing party of, right. of Gaza. And yes, they are definitely governing, but I don't know about calling them legitimate. And the other thing that's been driving me nuts is, is anyone, and even earlier this morning, listening to another CNN correspondent talking about the collective punishment and, and, and the inhumane treatment that is happening in Gaza, has anyone thought to blame Hamas for this? <laughs> right. I, I don't well, know if it's occurred to well, them. Well, what's remarkable is that there's tons of strikes landing in Israel from Gaza, but those are never covered in the yeah. same way, partly because Israel has figured out how to defend its citizens yes, from yes. those. Gaza so doesn't have an Iron Dome. Right. So they're just so. treated as like hailstorms yeah. that, uh, again, the hand of God just made things fall on Israel. No, someone shot things into Israel with the intent of hurting civilians, and it doesn't get the same press as it does going the other way around. Let me note also that Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib tweeted the news very quickly, very quickly, using the AP as their source, because the AP ran with the first allegations from Hamas, tweeted this very quickly. Rashida Tlaib has added no correction to hers. And here she is actually repeating the charge that Israel did this at a rally on Capitol Hill some 12 to no 18 hours after we knew more information. It's just, just continue to watch people think it's okay to bomb a hospital with children. You know what's so hard sometimes is watching those videos and and the people telling the kids don't cry and like let them cry. Okay. So again, we know now that Israel did not launch an airstrike and hit the hospital for a number of reasons. Our friend, John McCormick, at National Review, he was actually there uh, able to get a hold of or see Congressman Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib and ask her, is she going to delete her tweet? Right. Does she retract her statement? Now that we know it's not laid it all out, she walks by, says nothing. Right. And that's her MO. She's not going to, well, the only thing she's going to say is it happened. Yeah. And that's what's remarkable. Well, and same same with, like, you can actually rank the squad members on this. So, like, yeah. Rashida Tlaib at the bottom. Ilhan Omar actually did add tweets to hers, belatedly, just saying, oh. look, our office cited an AP report. I it's a AP. reminder that information is often unreliable and disputed in the fog of war, especially on Twitter, where misinformation is rampant. Girl, you are the misinformation. Wow. 
We all have a responsibility to ensure information we are sharing is from credible sources and to acknowledge as new reports come in. I agree. So be careful sharing New York Times and AP links because it can be very dangerous know. to the information ecosystem out there. She's also, you know, I, mean, I think what drives Elon Omar crazy is all this attention we we spend on Benjamin Netanyahu, which is, you know, for her, it's all about the Benjamins. But she wonders <laughs> about that. Sorry. 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 Uh, he knows I, rap lyrics, guys. I, that's right. I, I do. But by the way, I do want to add also Seth Moulton, who is the Democratic congressman. He was on yesterday morning. And he had also said he had finally, you know, he he conceded this airstrike. I mean, the, the the bombing, the blast was probably not caused by Israel. Then he goes on to say, nevertheless. Right. I don't actually know if he says the word nevertheless, but these are unfortunately the things that happen when you are engaged in a war and they're trying to. Yes, a war started. And, a war started by people who. Yeah wantonly murdered civilians Again, you never By hear the way, about them asking about what to do about the hostages are they real no I know. maybe they're not again you could just put that in your statements like please release yeah. the hostages the casualty numbers by the way of this incident which were given by hamas and yeah. not not verified anywhere were used by people to say oh this is obviously the idf because nothing that hamas has could create this much damage i that is a questionable assertion mm-hmm. in and of itself but it turns out that the casualty number was not real right. either in That's all right. likelihood. So just this is an asymmetric information warfare situation. So when it takes a while for the IDF to get information out, right. just keep that in mind. The, speaking uh, of yeah. speaking of asymmetric info, there's very little in AOC's head compared to the CNN okay. <laughs> CNN anchor that she went up against this week. Boy. Can we just play this whole clip? Sure. This is Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And it's a little bit of a long clip, but it's worth it. Being asked by Abby Phillip, who has a primetime show at CNN, about her ceasefire resolution. Shall we hear that? As all of this kind of kicked off, you and several other of your colleagues uh, released a statement calling on a, for a ceasefire uh, in the region. But I wonder, what is Israel supposed to do about Hamas after they murdered, brutalized, mm-hmm. abducted over a thousand of their citizens? Are they supposed to just do nothing? Well, you know, I think what's important to note about a ceasefire is that it's not one-sided. Hamas has been sending thousands of rockets into Israel as well. And what is important is for us to identify our goal in terms of what safety means, in terms of what defense means. But and if I, think I may, it, Congresswoman, I think the position from Israel's perspective is that there was already an attack. Mm-hmm. And Hamas already committed an attack. Mm-hmm. After that happened, do you really believe that they should not respond to that? I think what is important in terms of response is Israel does have a right to to self-defense. I think what we need to take a look at in this situation is if collective punishment qualifies as defense, if the blockade on water, food, electricity, if the dropping of white phosphorus, uh, which is an indiscriminate weapon, qualifies. So I do believe that there's a discussion to be had here. I don't believe but, that an either-or approach is what is necessary, but we should identify what our goal is, which is the cooling of tensions in the well, region. Israel's goal is to rid the region of Hamas. They've been very clear about that. And I, I certainly take what you're saying about the condition of Gaza right now mm-hmm. for civilians who, as you point out, are not synonymous with Hamas. But for Israel to deal with Hamas, which... Uh, is a force that is actually 
detrimental to Palestinians. Absolutely. How else are they supposed to address a violent militant, Mm -hmm. some say terrorist group, Mm -hmm. other than to go in there and and take them on directly? Well, you know, when we talk about going in there, I think we should also keep in mind President Biden's statements uh, as well about what what the implications of a potential ground invasion would be. This is an inherently complex situation. I do believe that Hamas needs to be dealt with. But how, I think, is what I'm trying to understand. And I think what we're trying to figure out right now is that this present situation of collective punishment and and indiscriminate attack is is one approach, but we are seeing the the issues and the complications with that approach now. Can we target them in terms of intelligence? Is there precision? What are the options available? Are an entire are, are entirely up to the administration and for for Israel to um, to examine and explore. Is there a mercy rule in foreign policy interviews? Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> thank goodness. Uh, good for Abby Phillip, by the way. No. Great. Great work. And by the way, these, I think I, she wasn't actually asking her tough questions. No. She was just asking well, what her. What should they do? This is a very straightforward to thing. explain. Okay, but you or, understand mm-hmm. what a ceasefire means, right? And my, by the way, I just wanted to let her twist because that's what that clip is, and I wanted you guys to hear it. That's well, I, I got totally sucked into it. I was, you were yeah. you were uncomfortable, I, I, weren't I, I, you? I was like, no. Yeah. But it's right. very it's Kamala esque. She's usually better on her mm-hmm. feet than this, mm-hmm. but I think truly, I mean, she's <laughs> this amounts to. Well, it's important to note that a cease fire means when people cease firing. Like, that's the yes, answer. Yes, yes, the cease fire beginning now. Okay, and, are you done killing the 1,500 and... <laughs> okay, now, cease fire now. Right. Yeah. And as soon as Hamas shot, shot back, right, yeah. the, the it would be incumbent upon Israelis to maintain yeah. the ceasefire. I, but I think she, her entire thought process is ceasefire equals peace, peace equals good, my friends think this, and I think this, and no one's going to challenge me on it. That was it. I don't know. That's pretty generous. I think she's <laughs> hoping that, may, why can't we have a situation like, I don't know, like Waterloo. We can have an open field, and then a battle ensues, you know, in a field, and everybody else is, you know, on the sidelines, and, and, and we'll be safe. That is quite something else. The other thing is, you know, all these riots and protests taking place, and Rashida Tlaib was at one, of course, and then they were at outside the U.S. Embassy, the Israeli Embassy in Washington, D.C., and they stormed Cannon House. Oh, there was a little insurrection yesterday, but we don't worry about that anymore. Those were anti-Israel Jewish groups. Yes, that's okay. One of the things they they yell is demand the end the occupation. Which occupation is There's no occupations. They haven't. Do they think that the Israelis have been there uh, like for the last 20 years, almost 20 years. There's because, no boots on the ground there. Yeah, no, this is, they're going in. The ground war hasn't begun, so I can what only think. What they mean is that they're occupying all of Israel. Oh, right, that's right, from the river to the sea, of yep. course, that one. Um, that's the only thing I can conclude from, to, and the, quote, occupation, because, yeah. To counter the squad, can I offer a, you love to hear it, for none other than, once again, Senator John Fetterman from oh, Pennsylvania, who tweets today, it's truly disturbing that members of Congress rushed to blame Israel for the hospital tragedy in Gaza. Who would take the word of a group that just massacred innocent Israeli civilians over our key ally? Thank you, sir, for that sensible wow. take. Wow. Uh, it's really exposed a very, very serious problem in this rift within the Democratic Party. Believe me, and we'll get to this later in the show. Republicans have their own problems, oh, yes. obviously. The rifts are yes, many. Talk about rifts. But... This is a very serious one that involves anti-Semitism and, you know, whether or not Israel, I mean, to get down to the bottom of it, has a right to exist. 
and they have to deal with this because it's within their own ranks and the members of the squad and others, they're not going to budge on this. I did also want to mention Ben Collins, who is a disinformation oh, yes. writer on CNN. Was that too loud? Sorry. <laughs> I wanted to laugh at him, but not that loud. Okay. It, was, it was a guffaw. So after news broke, and he is again CNN's disinformation writer, right? Oh, yeah. He is in charge. He's in charge of making sure there's no disinformation. He's got to he get sends, the real information out he there. He sent out a tweet that just said, a hospital. That's it. Like the audacity. He is also the winner of the Walter Cronkite Award. Oh, yeah. For, you know, for truth. So Chris Rufo had replied and said, and I'll just read what Rufo has to say. Disinformation reporters desperately want to be the censors of the internet, determining what is true, false, and fit for public consumption. That's what we're dealing with. These people want to be the arbiters of truth, but they obviously have an angle. The good news is Ben Collins says that he's leaving journalism, I think, altogether at the hey, you end know, of the year. Have at it, sir. Because we don't need your yeah. disinformation policing because good. you are indeed a disinformation expert, but in a different way than you think <sighs> you are. One last story, because I do want to keep some of the focus on yeah. the victims here. I read the story of Yaniv Zohar, a former Associated Press video journalist. He covered conflicts and major news in southern Israel for years. He was killed in his home during this attack, along with his wife and two daughters who were teenagers. His son, 13, was out for a jog and survived and he will be taken in by his aunt his grandfather is a holocaust survivor and one can imagine that those two have far more in common than we ever imagined that they would in 2023 and the thing i want to highlight is that his aunt in taking him in they just buried his entire family he's on his own his aunt emphasized that they will hold his bar mitzvah in Mm. a month because they believe that they need to celebrate life and they will be they will not be stopped from doing so by terrorists so i just thought that was such a gut-wrenching but beautiful yeah. sentiment and my prayers are with that young man his name is ariel zohar yeah. just and there are so many stories countless, like that countless i uh, i think about uh, my 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 former colleague john Podhoritz over at commentary uh, who says you know the ultimate aim is they want them to die yeah. right they want them not and they will not die so we move to the lameness of the house. <laughs> There's something else. They don't have a speaker, Vic. We keep trying to curse them into I having keep, a speaker. Yeah, I know, but you know, we're yeah. using all of our curse powers by making these predictions and saying that, and and assuming that you know we are going to be proven wrong. And look, I think it speaks to just how dysfunctional the house is that it's not even responding to our curses. No, that's how bad it is. <laughs> so, I thought for sure, you know, we're really giving them a lot of leeway here. So Jordan, Jim Jordan who is, if you're keeping track, McCarthy was ousted. (laughs) Ben Scalise, who was next in line in leadership, was up for a vote. But the conservative slash ornery, I'm going to call them the ornery wing, not really the conservative wing, wasn't pro-Scalise because he was already part of leadership. Scalise gives- And they threw out various other allegations that, as we mentioned on our show, are not So Scalise gives way to Jim Jordan, who is certainly a more- ornery and conservative choice and right up the alley of the the crazy eights of the McCarthy of, calls them. yeah the gate the gates eights yeah so but he cannot garner the full support of the moderates because he is deemed too ornery slash conservative as i have said i have my issues with jordan he's probably not temperamentally my taste but in the service of functioning house majority 
I would probably just go ahead and vote for him because I do think the House functioning is more important to voters than Mm. exactly who the speaker is. I think that certain members of Congress are in a real pickle here because on the one hand, yes, let's get something done. You want it? Okay, here you go. And a number of people, including Kevin McCarthy, said, fine, I'll vote for Scalise. The problem is there are a number of Republicans uh, from swing districts. And as you know, uh, Republicans control the House just for the tiniest of margins. And I wouldn't even really want to use the word control right now. But a number of those uh, Republicans who happen to be in districts that voted for Biden, they do not, like six of them, do not want to vote for yes. Jim Jordan. So well, you're not going to get that. And you can't lose more than four. The interesting thing is, while he courts those moderates, one of the things he's suggested giving to them is some of the giving up some of the tax reform passed by Trump during the Trump years, the SALT stuff, which I'm not going to get. It's a property tax right. thing that serves blue states. Right. Not folks. not strategic arms limitation. Policy. Yes. <laughs> but it's a tax thing that has made things fairer and took something away from rich blue state homeowners. Right. And he's trading with that possibly, which is an, just an indication that perhaps when you need to be leader of a caucus, you cannot pass all the purity tests that you might have subjected other members to in the past, which is, I think, what some of these moderates are annoyed by with Jordan. He may or may not go to the floor for a third vote. I want to play a little bit of audio from the second vote that Jordan lost in which a surprise guy gets a gets a gets a vote or two. Who is it? Kelly of Pennsylvania. Boehner. Kana. John Boehner is somewhere smoking either a cigar or a dube drinking drinking a really nice glass of drinking a red wine like oh absolutely effing not (laughs) don't bring my name into this get your name out get my name out of your mouth that's what he's saying somewhere they're just going to keep on doing this and, and and voting for random people i mean this is i mean that obviously there's still a handful the diehards that still say mccarthy and they think mccarthy has a chance for some reason there's a couple of people who feel uh, indebted to Scalise, so they vote for Scalise, and then there's just random people, yeah. right? But so again, the- you cannot lose more than four. And and Jordan, you know, who had to worry about something initially like convincing 60 Republicans to go his way, was able to cut that down, and he did well on the first vote, but on that second vote, he went down to 199. Yeah. The new plan floated by some. Oh, yeah. So the second failed effort on Wednesday by Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio to be elected House Speaker added momentum to an idea that has been floated by lawmakers in both parties in recent days. Give Representative Patrick McHenry, the interim speaker, explicit power to conduct legislative business. Mr. McHenry is acting as pro tem under rules adopted after the September 11th terrorist attacks that require the Speaker of the House to come up with a list of people to fill the post in the event that it becomes vacant. 
when former Speaker Kevin McCarthy was booted out by right-wing rebellion two weeks ago, the world learned that McHenry was the first name on the list. Many House aides believe that Mr. McHenry's power is strictly confined to presiding over the election of a new speaker, as he has been doing this week. But because this situation hasn't come up before, some congressional scholars argue that the bounds of the acting speaker's power are largely dependent on what a majority of members is willing to tolerate. I mean, this body does make its own rules. I would also say if the rule for the pro tem to take over is to maintain continuity of government, perhaps the pro tem should have some powers to do legislation. That would be helpful. Lest we get into this situation. That would be helpful, although, again, there are you know members of Republican leadership who are actually resistant to this happening. I think it's the only solution at the moment. I think about Patrick McHenry when he started he, his slogan, I believe, because we were still at the Weekly Standard, and I believe it was also profiled possibly by John McCormick, but his old slogan was, give me McLiberty or give me McDeath. You know? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the, uh, but the he's, most, a, he's about my age, by the way. No. Uh, I, I remember when he was elected to Congress that, that he was, we were both young up-and-comers. He, he looks <laughs> significantly older than you are. Well, you know. This, this hair hasn't no, grayed yet. Are you sure about this? Yeah, I'm going to look it up. Oh, okay. Let, right. me, okay. let me figure it out. Right. Getting hammered investigates. Okay. Patrick McHenry. See, now this is a rabbit hole I would go down. I'm going to find out exactly who's as old as I am. He's three years older than I am. Wait a minute. I'm younger? I'm older? I mean, I'm older than Patrick McHenry? You are. Maybe I should wear a bow tie. Maybe that'll make me look younger. Three years is about my age. I think I, I got that mostly so, right. So, you know, the Wall, the Wall Street Journal, of course, they mentioned as well Patrick McHenry, the pro tem, as the only feasible thing. They also went off on Matt Gates, saying, you know, what kind of an idiot, I believe they said, you know, you know, throws overboard the captain in this mutiny, but actually has no plan. And you spend the next couple of weeks just pulling ropes, you yeah. know, just hoping that, you know, you find your way back. I believe McCarthy had a little bit to say about that. I thought that was wrong, but that's the direction Matt Gates wanted to take us. So he joined all the Democrats to bring us this chaos with no plan in place. And I'm telling you, it harms us, as you know, Sean, having won a seat that a Democrat had, having helped us win the majority and how tough it is to. And think of this. Matt Gates provides the same amount of money to the NRCC, our political arm, that Nancy Pelosi provides. Zero. That's McCarthy talking to uh, Sean Duffy on Fox Business. Yeah. And... He's right, and that attack should land, but the Gateses of the House don't care no. about contributing to the party. No, in the fact, that, in fact that would that would also that would take away from their cred as anti-establishmentarian. They, you know, I mean, they'd be perfectly comfortable in the minority. You know, just give it back. I mean, this was my other thought. Suppose they just decided that the Speaker of the House will be the winner of a plurality of votes. Because then they're, they're looking at Hakeem Jeffries. And so right. they'd have to actually get their act together and vote for one person. Otherwise, you get Hakeem Jeffries. And then I started to think that we'd probably end up with Speaker Hakeem Jeffries. Yep, that is what would happen. <laughs> that is what would happen. somebody's going to be like, All right. you know what? We've, cur- him. We've cursed it once again. We'll see what happens uh, by the time right. this comes okay. By the time out. this comes our next show. What do you think? The next show? is it gonna, Are we still going to be in this situation? Probably so. Okay. A place where the GOP can win elections. Oh, yeah. Louisiana. State of Louisiana, Republican Jeff Landry won the Louisiana governor's race. He a big win in Louisiana. The way they do it, it's called a jungle primary. Yes. Everyone runs in the same race. There is no party primary. So three Republicans and one Democrat ran in the jungle primary. He if you get over 50 percent, you're done. If you don't, then there's a runoff. Fifty two percent. Yeah. For him against 
at least three other yeah, people. So a, Not since Bobby Jindal, I think. A strong showing. And we have just a little bit of a, the Cajun himself, Landry, who was a Trump-backed, right-leaning yeah. candidate, unabashedly. He will become the, the GOP governor. Making him the GOP governor means that all Southern states now have GOP governors. Yeah. That was the last yeah. Democratic. Uh, uh, yeah. What was his name? John, Bell Edwards. Yes. Was the last. Okay, yeah. so let's hear from Landry, who is perfectly Louisianan. You know, I want to tell you, I want to bring you back just a little bit. I want, I want to let you know, you know, um, when I was young, and I, I know my father's here, and he, he probably won't remember this, but he gave me a book when I was a young teenager, and it was kind of odd because most of the books that were shoved to me came from my mom. But he gave me a book about the Acadians. He gave me a book about the Cajuns, and when you open the preference of that book and explain the 300 years that the Acadians were here in Louisiana. It said that there were three tenants, three tenants that the Cajun people lived by. And it was God, and it was family, and it was country. But I don't believe that those tenants just belong to the Cajuns, they belong to everyone in Louisiana. I just enjoyed that flair. You know, I say this with affection, and I'm a Southerner, so I feel like I'm allowed to say it. Frankly, I wish I sounded more like him. He sounds like Raymond Ray, the mosquito in The Princess and the Frog. Okay. Who I, sings well, a beautiful I song. I seen that. In that movie. <laughs> Although I hear it's lovely, and my daughter loved that. I, I was going to say he sounded like Joe Pesci in Oliver Stone's JFK. <laughs> Wait a minute, Mr. Garrison. I, very, can't, even, I can't even do the his, Very his different movie references. Very different movie references. I do appreciate his me- mentioning the Acadians because, you know, you go up to Maine, there's the Acadian National Forest and this yes. whole, the, the park. There's a connection to that. The Mainers and, of course, the Acadians and then the ones who ended up in Louisiana and Acadians got huh. became Cajuns. Uh, huh. So love that. Do you have to have the accent to win? Because John Kennedy has one. And I heard somebody mention... That Senator Kennedy, who went to Harvard, I believe, did not actually sound like that when he went to Harvard. Then, when he ran for office, then well, he came back. so I have sympathy for the accent slide. Okay, because well, when you're working, well, that's a good point. That's because good point. I sound much more neutral mm-hmm. than I did when I was young, than I did when I got to DC, because uh-huh. I modulate based on where are you? what we, I hear like, and who I'm talking if you to. Go back, you th- it comes back. Yes, yeah. if I go back and have several beers, it gets. Yeah much stronger probably not as strong as when i was a child in fact if i if my parents can find the audio we should add it of me as a toddler who was raised in daycares staffed by north carolina and alabama women and there's me singing the abcs and it ends with now i know my abcs next time won't you sing with me and that is what i sounded like when i was three and they're like, okay, we got to take you out of the school. <laughs> so you, yeah. we pick on Hillary for stuff like that, but I actually understand how that happens to people sometimes. Sometimes it's more obvious yeah. than others. Well, Kate will mention if I'm up hanging out with my boys in Jersey. Oh, you get a little but Jersey But it's a South side? Jersey. It's not I New York. Like it's it. not a New York accent, but it's, you know, how you doing? And there you are and stuff. Oh, I need to hear more of that. We should actually, we should do a sh- whole show where you're Jersey and I'm yeah. Georgia slash North Carolina <laughs> for the entire show. <laughs> That'd be fun. We probably have to be drunk. Okay. A uh, little update on, on COVID oh, news. Okay, so you know that we have a new COVID-19 vaccine yes. uh, that wasn't tested on a bunch of people or anything like that. But 
the the CDC is bragging about its rollout. This is a CNN story. The headline is, despite rocky rollout, more than 7 million Americans have received updated COVID-19 vaccines. The CDC's head, Mandy Cohen, is also tweeting about it. Over 7 million Americans have already gotten their updated COVID vaccine. I was proud to join the club. A doctor on Twitter points out that this is 2% of Americans. So I also noticed in that story, Dr. Michelle Fiscus. She's the chief medical officer at the Association of Immunization Managers. And I just have to read the, her quote. Okay. Okay. Because I don't know what else. To, I, don't, I just don't know what else to do but to read it. She says, quote, We have about 10,000 babies a day in this country that become newly eligible for COVID-19 vaccines when they turn six months old. And we're only vaccinating about 7,000 kids a week under the age of four. (laughs) That's wild. Because you got to get those six months. You got to bring those six months in. Vaccinated against the virus that has mild symptoms like a cold because you can't rely on their natural immunity and, and you god forbid you try to rely on antibodies because no you got to give them the you got to give them the vaccine that was tested on the 10 mice or the one maybe the moderna one that was uh, 50 people 50 people one yeah, person yeah. had adversary yeah 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 two percent two percent look the american people are having the correct response they are gauging this correctly they yeah. are reading their risk and and people and, been getting people people i know have been getting covid and they just get over yes, it and they stay home when they're sick yeah that that was even when it was more severe, that was most of the secret. I will tell you a telltale sign. So like a year or two ago, I know it was about a year ago, uh, my doctor was asking me about whether or not I was going to get, you know, the booster. I should get the booster for COVID, right? And I just said, oh, no, not right now. My recent visit, flu shot, which I didn't want to take because I was just about to have my procedure anyway. So yeah. I'm like, don't need that. And no mention of the other shot. No mention. Yeah. My pediatrician hasn't pushed that one at all they talk about the flu shot and i i'm hit and miss with my kids and myself the flu shot depending on the year if it seems like it's a good match kind of take your chance and also well no because you'll find out pretty quickly if it matches the strain that's going crazy this year and so sometimes i'll hold off for that i get it when i'm pregnant because i'm more susceptible Mm -hmm. when i'm pregnant but i don't always get it otherwise anyway give me my anti-vax banner it's fine 98 percent of people are anti-vax now that's, that's no, I mean people by the standards people, they of might not Mandy admit Cohen. It. Yeah, ninety eight percent of they us. might not admit it, but even uh, you you look at like even here in Arlington County, Virginia, which is very very liberal. You know, it's a low percentage of people that are up to date, shall we say, well, on their and like I said, status. their gauge is correct. Their their yeah. risk gauge and their gauge of whether this benefits them is far better than what Cohen is doing. Right. What Cohen is doing is lame. And doesn't have to do with facts and doesn't have to do with risk reward calculations and is not good public health. It's the same thing they've been doing throughout. All righty. We got a fun one to to end the show with. Vic's really going to enjoy this. I hope we have a clip for this to play. It's a great clip. (laughs) Not that you're seeing it, but even listening to it. You can just hear it. Just hear it. Okay. You can hear the hotness. This is from CNN. The radical transformation of Victoria's Secret is over. The American lingerie chain has spent the last two years overhauling its hypersexualized image in a bid to regain cultural relevance and win back young consumers who preferred more on-trend upstarts like Savage X, Fenty, and Parade. There were some successes, including a campaign to launch the new Victoria's Secret featuring soccer player Megan Rapinoe, transgender model Valentina Sampaio, and other spokesmodels, but favorable reviews from online critics never translated into sales that is so interesting shocking. Shocking. the brand is projecting revenue of 6.2 billion this fiscal year down about five percent 
from the previous year and well below the $7.5 billion from 2020. Here's a, We do have an audio clip of their new commercial, which is, let's just say it, bringing back the hotties. I am confident. Do you want me to comment now? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. How do I say this? Okay, so I saw the ad, and the only thing that came to my mind was yes. (laughs) Yes. It's on board, everybody. Let me just mention this, too. You know, it's it's a nice mix of models that they have. It's not Kate Moss. I don't want to see that either. Where it's like you know, yeah, no, anorexic. Or, I, you know, I do think we have know. we have progress. Well, society has moved toward a curvier, yeah, thicker, for it. thicker no, general that's, look. That's, I'm all for it. Yeah, and and also I just want to mention, you know, one of the models is Asian. I, you know me that they're not really my type. And even I was like, you know what, she's attractive, <laughs> which is really. I'm just saying that. You know, we all have our preferences. I'm like, I'm not into the Asians, but you know, oh woo, she's pretty. And so I. I, I do think it's funny. <laughs> Jennifer is like blushing over there. <laughs> one commenter had mm. replied. I was looking at this on Twitter. She One commenter replied, this looks terrible. Nothing empowering or feminine in this commercial. To which somebody replied, at least they don't have Adam's apples. Oh, God. Look, they're... They're trying. I think in this ad, they're trying to walk a finer line than they're giving. They're being yeah, given, I, I, given know, credit I, for. They yeah. the the voiceover. It's like all the TNA, but the voiceover is like oh. be authentic, be yeah. you. It's yeah. all about my and casual. It's too. all about self love. Like yeah, I feel you don't good have about to, myself. Yes, but but you know, being healthy and being. <laughs> this isn't about, about the male gaze. This is just sexy underwear. It's for me. Uh, okay. <laughs> there is nothing wrong. With being aspirational, okay? So, I mean, there's something, sometimes it's not, we're not saying to aspire to the impossible, and sometimes they do things on, obviously, they, they're all yeah. done up in the camera effects. I get it. But there's nothing wrong with, for example, I wouldn't uh, buy something if I was the model for it. No offense to myself, but you know <laughs> what I mean? I, you know, I just, you know, be like, oh, I, give me something like, oh, I, I could, you know, strive for something like this. The other thing is, there is, if you look at this video, a more natural. There is a natural element to this video. Yes, I I like the, it better. Look. I like it better like than the old a lot of makeup and vibe. Just, I, all for it. I'm I like it too. But I do think you're right. I think they just we just overthink things, and it's it's like yeah, it's underwear. Let the models be hot, and people will buy it because the models look hot. And yeah. I do think there's also something about you know, there's just more in the market now that Victoria's Secret has to compete with. Oh yeah, a lot more. And people are. You know, that's the free market for you, and they're mm-hmm. going to make other choices, not necessarily because of signaling or politics, yep. but because they like different things. This from the from the investors meeting signaled like which way they're really going to go. Sexiness can be inclusive too, said Greg Eunice, brand president of Victoria's Secret and Pink. <laughs> so they're going to make hotness uh-huh. inclusive. But I, I, I feel like I'm sort of uh, ride the line on this too, where I like some of the more natural, like the Dove campaign, where you see normal people. Oh, yeah. I, I dig those things. And I d- one time, you'll be jealous, one time in the Fox Green Room for the morning show for Fox and Friends many years ago, in the sort of heyday of the late 2000, mm-hmm. late aughts, yeah. Victoria's Secret days, there were about four or five angels there 
wow. to advertise okay. the runway show. And I got to say, they look unrealistic in pictures. They look even more unrealistic in person. I was like, these are the smallest waists I have ever seen wow. oh, in oh, my life. Okay, unrealistic. And bigger <laughs> other things than I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Do that. This is my question. Did they have like a lot of like? Were they all done up in makeup? Like the whole. I mean, they were done in TV makeup, but they're all they're so beautiful. Like, like it was, in person. Yes, it was Carolina Kurakova. Is that her last name? Wow, just stunning. You can't mess that up. Oh, how about are they like all tall? Very tall and yeah. very thin, and not my type either. Tall, yeah, tall. but the proportions are just crazy. And they did change from one outfit outfit into another in front of me in the green room. You're welcome, everyone. It was a safe space uh, for the ladies. I, you know, okay. Sorry, I just passed out there for a second. Uh, okay, I, I, may I may I close? I should just close. He can't that. even talk. But can we close on a listener love? A little, some shout outs? Yes. Some shout outs. Okay. All right. So we, we love hearing from our listeners. I did want to mention, you know, Nookie, that's her name on, Twi- on X, love her it. handle, says, quote, if you need an informative conservative podcast that will bring a smile even in these bleak times, try getting hammered. Sadly, it only drops twice a week. Sadly, How you know, twice a week is enough. That's what she says. <laughs> and the other thing is the panic. It's another guy who nominated his dogs Zero and Echo as our hammerhead mascots. Oh, how nice! We gladly accept. I would say this: Zero and Echo. They remind me of Drax's dogs in Moonraker. Look it up. And finally, my old buddy George Guattari, who I've known since kindergarten, texted me to say he did. 42 push-ups. Nice. Well, this morning, Georgie boy, I did 45. Aha. Back, I almost had a stroke. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Steve's going to be so proud of you guys. Almost, I'm, I'm only 15 away from him. Kind of cheated, too. Okay. That wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. Yes. Follow the show at Getting Hammered Podcast on Instagram and YouTube. Follow me at MK Hammer on Twitter at, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram, where you can see all of the upcoming Halloween costumes, which I really got to get to work on. <laughs> say hi to the angels for me, Vic, in your dreams. This, thank you for getting hammered responsibility. This has been Neville's Media Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>